So Lauren will be speaking to us on Romans 14 today, which is all about how you get along with brothers and sisters. And so I have a couple of Bible readings here that go along with that. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day approaching. And I love the way the message worded, verse 25, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging and in encouraging love and helping out. Isn't that cool? <laughs> okay, we're going to ask Lauren to come forward now and give the sermon. Lord bless him. Thanks, Wendy. Those are some great verses uh, to start this all off. And, uh, and also a really good way of starting off our service. There is so much in this family to appreciate, um, to love, and to, uh, to cherish. And that's, we've been kind of going through um, a, a season of reflection here in our congregation. Um, we've been blessed in the last little while. Many of you are new here, that you've been a, just been a part of this congregation maybe in the last year or even less. And, um, and that has caused us to, to want to take a little bit of time to reflect and, and understand who we are. Why, why has God brought this group of people together at this time uh, with these different gifts, these different... Um, different ways of doing things, different perspectives. And, um, and that's been really a, a helpful, healthy kind of a, of a process for us to go through. We've completed the survey here just recently. Uh, uh, for those of you that are new, we just sent out uh, about a month ago a survey to everybody in our congregation to fill out, uh, to talk about some of the things that, that, that they really appreciate, the things that they struggle with in our congregation. And and the plan is, as you saw on the announcements, next Saturday, we're actually going to be gathering together as a church family to, uh, to start talking a little bit more about who we are. Um, and so in light of that season of, of consideration, of thinking, I, I, I was drawn to this passage. I, I thought we would take a step away from our, our study in Mark um, just to look at this particular passage in Romans that, um, uh, that Paul has written out for us and, um, and consider what it has to say to us at this time uh, as we go through this process of, of talking about who we are, what's important to us, and listening to one another so that we can love each other more deeply. Before we turn into that, let's just open up with a word of prayer. One of the things I love about you, Lord, is that you, it is your nature, it is your character to communicate. 
to speak to us, to reveal yourself to us, to reveal your heart to us. That marvelous promise that Jesus gave to his disciples to say that, that I no longer call you servants, but call you friends. Because my Father has made known all of his plans to you. That, that passage, that psalm that, that David wrote about the heavens declare the glory of God. Day by day they pour forth speech. God, there isn't anywhere that we can go where we can't hear your voice. And yet so often, Lord, we miss what you're saying. So this morning, I just pray that you would be working in our hearts. The things that that would come in that would try and distract us and get us torn away from hearing from you, Father, would you you, uh, silence those? And would you give us a heart and a mind that's tuned into uh, your speaking to us today? And would you work in our hearts and shape us into the people that you want us to be? You've created us to be. I can pray this prayer with confidence because I know that this is your will. So with anticipation, we look forward to what you're going to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever ridden a tandem bike? I had, I had an opportunity once in my life to go for a bike ride. We were actually, it was when I was in college. I was part of a Bible school, and uh, I was in a group, a singing group, uh, that traveled around after the school year, uh, going around from church to church to uh, sing songs, worship God, and, and promote the, the school to, uh, to people all across Western Canada. And uh, we came to Vancouver with this singing group, and had a day off, and so we decided that we were going to go uh, bike the seawall in Stanley Park, and um, rented some, some tandem bikes. There were six of us, and uh, thought that this was going to be a great thing. The, the first two on the bikes, Lindell and Jocelyn, wonderful ladies, um, both of them from the prairies. They were so excited about going out and seeing the ocean and everything and smelling the flowers. And, and I don't know, if you've ever been on a tandem bike, you, and, and even if you haven't, you could realize the front of the bike is the place to be, right? Be, in the front of the bike, you get to steer. You get to decide where you're going. You got the brakes. And probably most importantly, you don't have a great big somebody else in front of you blocking the view, right? Lindell and Jocelyn, such warm, wonderful ladies, they decided that what they were going to do, because they were going to do a lot of stopping, a lot of taking pictures, smelling the roses and all the rest of that kind of stuff, they were going to switch off back and forth. They got into that, no problem, were able to just take off and, and just start riding with any complications and had just a marvelous ride together. The other bike had Andrea and Jeremy on it, both of them from Vancouver, and they were both just so excited about showing off this beautiful part of their city to all the rest of us. And um, they got onto that bike. Andrea was a little bit 
uncertain. She didn't want to be in front because she wasn't really confident that she would be able to control it. But Jeremy was a great big guy. He was able to hold it steady. And so she very willingly let him take the front of the bike and all of that responsibility. And they had just, they got onto that. And it, it was a little bit uncertain at first, but good old sturdy Jeremy up at front kept it going. And, and they had a wonderful ride together. They were calling out. Andre was able to then look around and see the sights and point out different things to us as we were going. It was perfect for them. That left Kathy and me. Kathy was the leader of our singing group, and um, she really liked control. Uh, I was very willing to let her have that title and live with the, the illusion that she was actually in control. <laughs> um, so we had to try and figure out who was going to be up front. And um, Kathy just was adamant that she was not going to ride in the back. She had to be up front. So I said, okay, no problem. We, we started going, and it, it wasn't very pretty. You don't have to be in perfect cadence when you're pedaling, but it does help. And, and we were getting off on the wrong beat together, and it was kind of throwing our balance off. We fell a couple of times to get started. Everybody else got going and was ahead of us, and we were... We were struggling. There was a point when Kathy wanted to stop. She had the brakes up front. She wanted to stop and take a picture. I wasn't too keen. <laughs> so she tried to stop, and I just kept on pedaling. <laughs> she wanted to go to this one path onto the right, and I was determined to take the path oh, the right, and I was determined to take the path on the right. So she was steering, thinking that that's how you actually steer the bike, when I know better. It's actually from leaning the bike <laughs> is what gets you to go around the corner. So she was steering one way. I was leaning the other way. It was a nightmare. The thing is, we actually both had the same goal in mind. We were both pretty athletic. She was on the volleyball team at school. I was part of the basketball team. We were both kind of adventurous people. We both wanted to go out and explore this beautiful park. We wanted to go fast because we like speed. Uh, and that way we would be able to cover more territory. We'd get around through all the trails and stuff. We both had the same kind of goals, but we had very different ideas of how to accomplish that. Fortunately, as the day progressed, we talked it through. And came to a realization that if this was going to happen, we needed to work together. We needed to align our, our, our views of how we were going to do things so that we could accomplish something. And it was amazing. We got to the place where we left everybody else in the dust. And we were cruising. We actually got through all of Stanley Park and then got up into downtown Vancouver and were biking all of it. Was, it was a great day. But until we got to that place where we could recognize that we wanted to accomplish the same thing, 
And we just needed to take the time to listen to one another, to work together, to align how we were going to do it, that we were able to accomplish something. Church can be like that. Here at the Living Hope Community Bike, there's lots of seats. Lots of places for people to take their role. And one of the things that we have discovered from the survey, that, that there are lots of different ideas of how we accomplish this church thing. There are those that, that, that feel that, that some of the old ways that we used to do things need to be left in the past and we need to take on some new strategies, some new directions. There are some who are very attached to the old ways of doing things and, and are, are reticent to let some of those things go because they have played such an important role in creating who we are as a congregation. And, um, and so there's, there's all of these different ideas of how we need to move forward, of how we need to accomplish this task of building one another up loving one another, and, and being a light for our community and for our world. And the, the desire that we have for, for this church family meeting is so that we can, that we can get together and, and listen to each other. Because one of the things that, that I think is really important, just like when we were on those bikes it's important for us to recognize that there are actually, even though we see different ways of accomplishing the task, we really have the same values, the same goals of what we're trying to accomplish. It's just that we're trying to do it in different ways. And I think when we take the time to actually listen to one another, to hear why some of those things are important, and just as important for us to, to take the risk to to express why, not just to say this is the way, ah, pardon, this is the way we should do it, but why that, why you see that as an important thing, and, and to talk through that, to hear one another. The goal that we have for this next Saturday is that we walk away from this place deeper in love with one another. Because we know each other more deeply. We've respected another, each other enough to, to express how we feel and loved one another to listen. Listen behind the, the words to be able to hear the heart, the values that are going on. If, if your goal is to come here next Saturday and, and, and that we're going to have a, a vote to be able to decide all in favor of doing things this way, you're going to get be disappointed because that's not our plan. That's not our goal. We, we want to take the time to talk. We want to hear from one another. I think that's, that's what Paul is dealing with here in, this, uh, in, this, in his letter to, to the Romans, Romans chapter 14. We're going to read here a, a number of verses. What was happening, you can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Maybe some of you are there already, but... 
what's happening here in, in Rome and, and what's happening in this letter is the church was initially established by a number of Jewish Christians who moved into the community or some of them that was already there, some of them who had been at Pentecost, at Jerusalem, celebrating the, the, the different feasts that were there. They heard the message of Christ. They gave their hearts to Jesus, and now they've returned back to Rome, and they've established a church here, and they've been uh, building this community of of sharing about the 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 message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one that that had been prophesied that would come. And their church had a very Jewish flavor to it because that's what they knew that's what they were experienced and so there was all of the the inclusion of the feasts of the uh, 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 of the the roles in, in in the synagogue and the readings of the of the Old Testament scriptures of the Hebrew scriptures and and all of those uh, those uh, uh, laws and everything that made up so much Jewish culture that had been established in the past but as they were sharing and loving one another, more and more of their Gentile neighbors were hearing this message. And the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts and drew them into a place of relationship with Jesus Christ. So there was this mixture of both Jewish and Gentile Christians. And then, 45, maybe 49 A.D., the Emperor Claudius was hearing some rumors of some discontent that was going on. There was some political uh, uh, um, chaos. There was still... uh, Jerusalem and and, and Judea, Palestine, had always been kind of a rebellious group. Um, And and you never knew when these people were going to rise up. And there was some some fomenting of some some problems that were going to be coming out out of Palestine. And so as a preemptive strike... Claudius said that all of the Jews needed to leave Rome. That way they wouldn't be there in the city. They couldn't spy. They couldn't do do, um, any kind of sabotage or anything like that in the city. So all of the Jewish people had to leave. That included the Jewish Christians. So suddenly, this church that had been established by Jewish believers uh, that had, that had uh, been built with, with all of those Jewish cultural things, that Jewish influence, gone. Suddenly, all of these Gentile Christians were now in charge. And the culture of the church took on a very different flavor. They didn't know all of the rules. They didn't know all of the feasts and everything. And so they just started following through with their relationship with Jesus, with loving one another, with proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, of, of confessing their sins, and all the rest of that kind of stuff that makes up the Christian life. And it, and it didn't have all of that Jewishness to it. And then, Claudius' reign is over, and the, the, the next emperor uh, deleted that edict, and so the Romans, the, the, the Jews were able to start trickling back into Rome. And suddenly these people who used to be in charge there in the church in Rome, <laughs> suddenly they didn't recognize their church. Things had changed. And there was conflict. 
these things that they knew were the right way of doing church were no longer being done. And, and, and they were concerned that somehow they were losing their righteousness. They were losing the, the proper way of doing church. And, and rightfully so that they had this concern because this is the way we have always done it. This is the way that's been passed down by our forefathers. And the Gentiles said, that's not who we are. So there was conflict. Paul then is writing into this setting to try and speak peace into this group. And we come to, to Romans 14. There's a number of places through Romans where he's dealing with some of these issues, but Romans 14 is certainly one of those. So let's start reading at verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let me just stop there and kind of clarify. <laughs> this isn't a, a, a vegan kind of a mentality. The, the reason that there was this difference about what you would eat is because the butcher process was so wrapped up in the butcher guild, which had a particular god and deity that oversaw it. And so all of the butchers, when they would go through the process, would have their little butcher deity in their, in their setting. And they were, it was, there was a ritual that was a part of their butchering process, the meats that they would then prepare to sell to people. And there were some Christians that were concerned about that, that, that not, not only that, that there was this, this ritual process, but they were supporting that. How, how, could they, how could they support a lie that this deity had any real value or any real, real impact? There was also the meats that were being sacrificed to, to idols in the different temples, and then they were brought back and sold into the market by the priests of those places so that it would help support the temple work that was going on. And again, obviously the Christians, this was part of temple worship. How could we eat that meat? Um, and so they, they had kind of determined that they weren't going to eat any meat at all, that they would only stick to, to vegetables because that was safer. They wouldn't be supporting any pagan worship or any of that kind of stuff. There were other Christians said those little wooden or metal little things have no power. Their rituals that they're doing have no real influence because there is only one true God. And, and so I can eat that meat without worrying that somehow I am uh, uh, de defiling myself by taking in something that, that has been used in worship. It's, it's just meat. It just goes in and comes out. It's no big deal. Um, it created conflict. And, and a theological conflict, right? Because this is dealing with spiritual things, pagan worship and all the rest of that kind of stuff. People struggled with that. Um, verse 3. Let the, not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains 
pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him to stand. One person deems one day as better than another, while another deems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And again, this is going back to that whole Jewish lifestyle, right? There was the Sabbath, which was an essential part of their life that dictated so much about uh, Jewish life. There were all of the feast days uh, that were required for the Jewish people to celebrate. And, and so these were very important in Jewish culture, but for Gentiles, they had very little meaning. And, and there was a switch in, in a lot of the, the Christian churches throughout the Roman world that were now, instead of gathering together on the Sabbath, they were gathering together on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, because that was the day that the Lord was risen from the dead. And so better to celebrate and worship together on that day rather than on the Sabbath day. And there was conflict. And you can see uh, people were having issues over that. Verse 6, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks, give thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or, or you, why, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer Walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace 
and for mutual upbuilding. Let us pursue peace. One of the things that you'll notice as Paul is writing here, he's not calling us to abandon the way that we understand him to be leading us. If there are those that feel strongly about not eating meat sacrificed to idols, they should not be eating meat sacrificed to idols. Because that's the way that the Lord is leading in their lives. And they will play a significant role in the testimony of, the, of, of Jesus Christ in the community. It will impact their own ability to be able to relate to God because of the way that they follow those instructions. But that doesn't mean that they need to demand that everybody else abstain from eating meat sacrificed to idols. Because God might be leading somebody else differently. Somebody who is, who is able to to eat that meat without feeling compromised or defiled may have opportunities to give testimony in places and in ways that that person who abstains will not have. So he's not calling us to, to abandon, to just, as Wendy said, mix us all up so that we're all just oatmeal porridge, but instead to, to be faithful to how God is leading you, but out of love, pursue peace with your brothers and your sisters. Don't put up stumbling blocks. Don't, don't demand something of them that, that goes against the way that God is leading in their lives. But listen carefully to how they are, uh, how they are being led by the Spirit and what the Lord is doing in their lives and how that might be used by the Lord to shape your experience with Him. That's why I think it is so important for us to take the time to listen to one another. To, to hear beyond just the likes and dislikes, but to hear and understand how somebody who, who is doing things differently than us is honoring the Lord through that different way of doing things. And how the Lord might want to speak to us and, and work in our lives through that person, or how the Lord is using that person as a testimony in a way that we never would be able to. We need to spend time getting to know each other. And, and when he says, pursue peace, uh, pursue what makes for peace. That, that needs to be listening, spending time together. See, there is this false peace that I think a lot of Christians think is the real deal. There's this peace that we can have by recognizing that there are things that we should not be talking about. 
that if we bring up that, it's going to create all kinds of turmoil, and so we're just going to avoid those topics. And I know that when I'm talking to Wendy and Kevin, I can't deal with those things at all. But when I'm talking with Gary, there's other things that I need to avoid in that conversation over there. And with Fiona, oi! There's all kinds of landmines in conversation that I can run into with Fiona. And pretty soon, when I'm here with everybody, the only thing I can talk about is nice weather we're having. <laughs> and even that, there are some people that like the rain and some people that don't like the rain. So I just have to do very broad strokes by, boy, isn't this really great weather? Or something... We, 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 we exist on this shallow, meaningless peace. <laughs> Nobody gets mad. It's like we always used to talk about in some of the workplaces that I've been in, that we have all of these safety meetings. Because nobody works, nobody gets hurt, right? If we don't actually get into the issues, Nobody's going to get upset, and so we have this peace. But there are so many things that we can't talk about, and we all just walk around happy, happy. Boy, we love each other, even though we never actually talk and go through the messiness of life together. That is not the peace that Paul is encouraging us to pursue. It is a peace that delves deep into the messiness of life and recognizes that in that messiness, Jesus lives there. And He is doing something in your life that I can only understand if I take the time to actually listen, to take the risk of talking about, of sharing, how I am different. You notice he says that we're not supposed to quarrel about these things. Absolutely. We don't talk about them to try and, and demand everybody else do things the way that we do or to try and convince everybody that I have the right way. But we do talk so that we can hear. And, and what we want to hear is not just the, the, the surface things of what people are doing, but we want to hear the heart behind it. What are the values? What, what are the ways that they are experiencing connection with God through that practice, through the things that they're doing? It is not pretty all the time. And it's not easy. But when we take the time, when we make the investment, when we love each other enough to go into those difficult places, there is something that happens. The Spirit of God works in our lives and unites our hearts in ways that we could have never imagined. 
And even though there are all of these people that are so very different from us, oh, the love that is there in that place. The things that we can accomplish far more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's why in Paul's letters, when he talks about Christians, the church, as the body of Christ, it's such a beautiful word picture. Because what's important to my hand is very different than what's important to my heart. And even though those, those things that are important are very important and very necessary for my hand to function and for my heart to function. And it can seem like for the hand, the heart is, is slacking off. Just sitting in there all warm and cozy in the rib cage, Pumping blood, blah, blah, blah. No big deal. You don't ever do any work. You got to lift something. You got to do something, right? But if the heart stops working, the hand is in deep, deep doo-doo. And that's the way we are here in the church. We all have different roles to play. There are things that are important to you that are just not that important to me. And there are things that are essential in my life that for you, it's no big deal. But because we are all connected under the head, the head who is Christ, who unites all parts together and makes them work so that I can walk. I can run, I can lift things, I can do any number of tasks. Things that my hand could never just do all on its own. It has the eyes to be able to guide and direct it. It has the feet to be able to get the hand in the right place to do the task that it needs to. It has the, the digestive system that gets the nutrients that it needs in order to be strengthened. And all of those things work together perfectly because they're all connected to the head and the head directs each one. So when we spend time listening and loving and caring for one another, we help ourselves to work together as a body. To come under the, the, the authority and the leadership and the guidance of the head who is Christ. To direct the way that we move and act in perfect unison so that we can accomplish things that would never be possible if we just all worked as individuals. There is nothing Nothing more perfect, nothing more complete than the body of Christ functioning in love and in cooperation on the mission that Christ the head has directed them on. And that's, that's why we want to get together next Saturday. So that we can take some time 
For those of you that are new that don't know where you fit into this body, that you can start talking and listening and, and hearing who the other people are and what are the things that God is doing that's important here in our midst. Why do we do some of the things that we do? And for you to be able to bring your peace to say what's important to you so that we can hear how God is leading in your life and see how He is shaping and moving us as a congregation to be able to, to go into areas and do things that we would have never been able to do before. So, so that we can understand the values that God has been placing in our hearts as individuals that are going to help shape the values and the mission of us as a whole congregation, as a body here. Most importantly, that, that, that we can get to know one another better. That we can share intimately and vulnerably with one another. To learn to appreciate one another more. To understand that even though you see things differently than I do, there is great value and I, and I need you as my life in my life to be able to, to complete my understanding of who God is. We need each other. So that's what our plan is for next Saturday. I, I, I want you, a couple of weeks ago, I got you to look to the right and to the left and, and to, to pray for the people on either side of you. And I know that many of you have been praying for those people over these last number of weeks. This week, I would ask that you would take time to pray about Saturday. I am not a fool. This could go terribly wrong. <laughs> and there is nothing that Satan would love better than for us to get caught up in our petty differences and let that be the focus of the day rather than be listening for what God wants to do. We need to be praying. We need to be praying that the Holy Spirit would fill this place and would guide everything that we do. But we also need to be praying for ourselves. That we would be sensitive and prepared to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us on Saturday. That we would, we would be willing to, to be obedient to the things that He is doing in our lives so that, that when we come here, everybody else can trust that you are hearing the Spirit. That you're not just coming here with your own ideas and your own agenda, but that you are actually responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I don't know if that means that, that you need to spend some time fasting this week to prepare your heart. Maybe you need to partner up with somebody this week that you can get together on a, on a few occasions and just pray for one another. Maybe you need to shut off TV for this week and, and turn on worship music that you can just be listening to and allowing the Spirit to lead you into that place. Maybe you need to ramp up your, your Bible reading this week. So that you can, can be ready to hear what the Lord is saying. You're, you're familiarizing yourself with the kinds of things that God says. 
we need to be able to trust that each one is hearing the Spirit and responding to the Spirit's leading as we gather next week and share with one another. I, I also need you to make sure that you show up on Saturday. Um, you may be thinking, well, he's not talking about me because I've only been here a couple of weeks. Or, or you could have all kinds of ideas that would come into your head of why it's not crucial for you to be here. It's important. Our, our family needs you, and, and by not being here, you are... I want to do too strong of language, but you're, you're robbing us from what the Spirit wants to say to us as a body. You're, you're, you're amputating part of our body and its input that it has in the function of us as a whole. So if you're able to, um, plan to come. Maybe some of you are thinking, I'm too young. Some of you may be thinking, I'm too old. Whatever reason that you're thinking you shouldn't be here. It's wrong. <laughs> we need you. We need your participation in all of this. And come with a heart that's prepared to pursue peace and mutual upbuilding. And when we do that, there's no telling what God might accomplish in our midst. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad that you are in charge. That your plans cannot be thwarted, no matter how hard our hearts might be. That you will even use some of the hardness of our hearts to accomplish your purposes and your plans. But Lord, we just we want to be able to strip all that stuff away. We want to, uh, to, to put aside any of the, the baggage, the things that we would carry into uh, a gathering like this. We just want to be able to hear your voice. We want to respond to your leading. So would you be preparing our hearts this week for that, Lord? Would you be doing whatever kind of shaping you need to in our hearts and in our lives through, through our interactions with people, through, uh, through our, our uh, uh, study of your word this week, in all of those different areas, God, would you just be uh, refining us and prepping us to be able to come here and just love one another? to know each other better, to see you in each one, and to shape us into the body that you need us to be. Because God, as we look around in this community, there are so many who are lost, so many who are on a path to destruction, so many who are deceived, Their only hope is you. And the only way that they can hear you is through us. We want to be true and faithful witnesses 
in this community to join you on that, that rescue mission, saving people from, from an eternity separated from you. So be working in our midst, working in our hearts, and accomplishing that which you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.